0: Love arises from the heart. It cannot be forced. True love is goodwill towards the one a person loves. Gladness when that one person is glad. Forgiveness when that one person does wrong. And sacrifice of one's own happiness for that one's sake. The defendant wished to take possession of the deceased for his own sake. When refused, he killed her. These were the thoughts and acts of selflessness and covetousness by the defendant with no heed given to the deceased's heart and feelings. This was not love. This was the quote that the Supreme Court stated while they reduced our murderer's sentence and as we go along, his sheer luck brings down his suffering in prison further and further. To kill someone does not mean brutal in a literal sense, but to imprison a poor person to death for 20 to 25 years, I consider that as brutal. Brutal for keeping me alive like this. This is what Serm said to a magazine upon being asked about his life in jail, after killing and flushing his girlfriend down the toilet. This is a case of a 22-year-old who killed the love of his life, or so we call it, and how he has been able to live a life even after committing such a crime. and we and for our case today, we are going to Thailand. The fact that this case felt so scripted is what caught my attention. Every time I read something about his life or the crime that he committed, it felt composed for some reason. There were no red flags or any obvious signs that he would be someone who would commit such a ghastly crime. Fun fact, this particular case is vital in Thailand's history because this was the first case where they started using DNA analysis in police investigations. And the one person who deserves the credit for this is Dr. Pontip Sunan, Thailand's famous forensic scientist. The case is pretty gore, but Dr. Pontip's hairstyle and punk style got more recognition while she was a part of this case. Again, disclaimer is in order as I'm not a professional when it comes to investigating a case. I'm just a person who enjoys listening and reading two crime stories. The facts of the case are taken from reliable sources, and anything other than that is just a mere speculation or a fan theory. If, in case, I happen to mispronounce some words and names, apologies in advance. Whenever I hear about someone committing a murder under the pretense of the heat of passion, I always have more questions than answers about the deed he or she acted on. Looking at our case, I was wondering, was he really such an evil human that he committed such a crime? What was his upbringing like? Was there any event in the past that made him perform such a violent action? There are no major traumatic events in a murderer's life which can justify the ghastly murder that he committed. The murder of his first love. Let's dive into the case. In 1993, Thai media reported that a 15-year-old kid had passed the entrance exam for engineering at Chulalongkorn University. Serm was considered to be a child prodigy because of its outstanding academic performance. It's been said that Serm had a pretty strict father. He was never satisfied with whatever he achieved and suffered from beatings during his childhood. His mother, however, was very fond of him, but stayed silent even though he was suffering. He was a quiet person who rarely showed any emotions. When he learned that his father has cancer, he decided to apply for medical school to fulfill his father's last wish. After graduating, he decided to take the national medical exam, and he passed. It's pretty rare for someone to hold a degree in engineering and to be a doctor in Thailand. Reports suggest that in 1995, he joined the BMA Medical College. There is no specific report that states the department he joined, but some say he was on a rotation in the forensic division, during the time he committed the murder. He started dating a 23-year-old student named Jenjida Ployengansri, who will be addressed as Jen in the case, was a year senior and was a part of the Faculty of Medicine at Ramathi Bodhi Hospital in Bangkok. When Sirm was an engineering student, they met each other in the local church. Jen also comes from a well-to-do family, as her mother owns business in Samfront district. Jen was a good student with a high GPA and was considered to be very good among the medical students. Mm -hmm. Though she was one of the hardworking students of the university, she had a deep loneliness within her as her mother lived in a different country and her father was never in the picture. Her grandmother was the only family she had in her life. According to the book written by our forensic doctor, Dr. Pontip, she pointed out that in order to have a male figure to look up to, she started dating some in hopes of having someone who can help and protect her. People often said that Jen was someone who some always aspired to have as a significant other, as an equal. They fell in love and were admired for being a talented couple. This is where things start contradicting. On 26 January 1998, at the World Trade Center in Sem Semsakor, Jen decided to end the two-year-old relationship since, according to her, their personalities were completely different and their quarrels were increasing day by day. As she was Sum's first love, it was difficult for him to forget about her and was in denial that this relationship was about to see the end. Once they left the center, Sum begged her to come with him to his dormitory in the Fetchaburi Road, an area unsafe, according to him, to talk about their relationship and figure things out. In an interview with High Class Magazine, he mentions how he suspected her of cheating. He said, quote, She got very busy at times and upon being confronted, she would brush it off and say that she was calling the guy whom she hung out with as her friend's brother, unquote. His allegations don't end here. He often said that her behavior got worse and worse with time. She would not show up on dates, wouldn't even reply to the messages. Apparently, She even shared some romantic quotes with one of her seniors. This went on and on until Jen finally decided to end the relationship. Okay, going back to the day they broke up. They were arguing in his dorm. She left the room to use the bathroom. As she comes back, she notices that Serm is not alone. With him is his illegally owned .38 revolver. As she opens the door further, not understanding the situation, he shoots her, through her head. Sam justifies his action by calling it a moment of passion than a planned murder. He also defends himself by saying if she didn't want to break up, she might not have suffered that fate. He tries to trivialize the killing, calling it a tit-for-tat or an act of vengeance for the suffering and betrayal that he felt. He comes back to his senses and finally realizes that, oops, there's no going back now. Crying in sorrow, he carries the cops into the bathroom and with the medical knowledge he had, he dismembers her body using a kitchen knife and disposes of her flesh and organs by flushing them down the toilet. Yes, you heard that right. The pipes start getting all clogged up, so he goes and buys tens of black bags to dispose of her body and also gets some toilet cleaner and a plunger to clean up the scene. When asked about how he felt when he was dismembering the body, he said, quote, I didn't feel a thing, unquote. There was absolutely no remorse or sadness that he killed his first love. In fact, he was more worried about destroying the evidence. He realized that the body would be too big and easily noticeable if carried out. So chopping her off would be the best option. The interview also states that Serm spoke to her while cutting her off and also apologized for the act, but then also justified it to her for doing it. Once he carried her flayed skull, limbs, and bones in the black bag, he drove to the Bang Pakong River east of Bangkok and threw the bag into the river. So Jen died on 26th of January 1998 at the age of 23 years old. On 27th January 1998, some visited his friend on the western side of Bangkok where a witness reported him spending time cleaning his car. On the following day, he left the city to visit his parents in the Chonburi province, where he burned her clothes. He took her car and left it in the Muang Throng Thani neighborhood in the Nanthaburi province. On 30th of January, as soon as Jen's mother learned that her daughter is missing, she quickly came back to the country, filed a missing persons report, and informed the police about her relationship with some. Upon investigation, One of the Jens' classmates reported seeing both of them together, which was enough reason for the police to summon Serm to the station for questioning. When asked, he initially denied knowing her whereabouts, claiming that, after having dinner with her on 26th of January, they parted ways due to their ongoing argument. But the police were suspicious of his statement and decided to follow him around. Between the time of missing persons report being filed and police investigating the case, Serm was still living in the same dorm as he murdered his girlfriend. He says, quote, I was there for a month before the arrest. I never ran away, but it was lonely whenever I missed her, because we were together for a long time, Unquote. In March 1999, he was brought in for questioning again and made him go through a polygraph test. He had changed his statement from the first time he was questioned, but since the police had no physical evidence to arrest him, they had to let him go. During his investigation, he mentioned booking a room in Hotel 99. He took her to the hotel room where he dismembered and disposed of her body through the toilet. He backed up his statement by taking the police to the locations where he hid her car and threw her bones. The police searched the septic tanks of the hotel to find her remains or some evidence which can help identify that the hotel was the scene of crime, but to no avail. Scuba divers were brought in to search the location where he threw the bones, but nothing was found. According to a forensic doctor, the hotel would have been a terrible place to commit a crime on such a gruesome level. Dismembering a body in the hotel room would not have been easy. The blood splatter would be difficult to clean up and the stench left in the room, even after cleaning the place thoroughly, would linger for days. There were no complaints from the hotel owner or the guests staying in that room regarding any smell. Things were doing okay for some as there was no body which would link him to any murder being committed, but it finally happened. The Institute of Forensic Medicine and Jens University used to work together at the time. So much so that the medical students who were on the forensic department rotation were taken to the crime scenes in order to learn more about forensic doctors being involved while investigating. On 28th of January 1998, one of the local fishermen found a human skull which was compatible with Jen's features. The forensic doctor who was asked to be present at the scene was the forensic professor of the Ramathi Bodhi Hospital that was none other than the forensic expert, Dr. Pontip. It became easier for Dr. Pontip to find people who were close to Jen, who could help identify her. As she was a professor in the medical wing of the university, she was aware of a missing student named Jinjira, who was currently on rotation in the orthopedic department. Two students, who were also close friends with Jen were on a rotation in the forensic department at the time. They went along with a forensic doctor to help identify the corpse. One of her friends pointed out that the tooth of one of the skull was greyish yellow in colour. Since as a kid, she used to take tetracycline, which is a type of antibiotic, though this information was never really used to identify the skull. Once they matched her skull with dental records, and after DNA analysis, it was identified as Jen's. However, the skull had a gunshot wound, which contradicts Serm's statement of strangling her. The car which was abandoned by Serm in Mwangthong Thani, in the boot of that car, the police found a plastic sheet which was covered in blood, which was used to do a DNA test in order to find out which skull belonged to J. Some had left the key in the ignition of the car, hoping that someone would steal the car and ultimately would lose that important evidence. The DNA test came back positive as the blood on that plastic sheet matched her mother. This was the first legit piece of evidence which would force the authorities to investigate further. The amount of blood also suggested that she was physically harmed. Finally cornered, he confessed that he did in fact shoot her and hit the gun at his parents' house. The police brought in the gun and investigated his dorm's septic tank, which had numerous pieces of human flesh, which later matched to Jen's DNA. When asked about the illegal weapon, he answered that the area he lived in had a lot of Nigerian population and he never felt safe. So as a self-defense, he bought a revolver to save himself in any future run-ins. While the public and media debated whether his actions were indicative of psychopathy, psychosis or any psychiatric condition, psychiatric assessments found him mentally sound and competent to stand trial. The police inspector and forensic expert both claimed that dismembering the body was motivated purely an attempt to conceal the evidence. The case was brought in for trial in 1999, where some claimed that he confessed under the pressure from the police and denied murdering Jen. Now, there was a very random theory. I don't know whether this really happened or not. But apparently, two snakes entered his friend's house and revealed a bag that contained Jen's belongings, like clothes and all, from where she was killed, which helped the police to finally gather that piece of evidence and basically use it for further investigations. I don't know if it's true or not, but somehow, the police now had the clothes which Jen wore during her time of death. The bag was ultimately taken by the police and this was the final nail in the coffin as Sum was finally convicted of premeditated murder, unnecessary firing a gun in an urban area, destruction of corpse, theft of property and possessing an illegal firearm. Now this is a debate whether Sum killed Jin in the heat of passion or whether he planned the entire thing. The case was taken to the high court where they argued about this particular statement. It was then taken to the Court of Appeal, who found the murder to be committed in a cruel manner, giving him the death penalty. It was then taken to the Supreme Court, where they overturned Court of Appeal's decision and explained that he could have committed this crime and disposed the body, even if the murder was not planned. He was finally given life imprisonment. Now, Thailand is a constitutional monarchy. So, the king has the power to give royal pardons to inmates who were sentenced life imprisonment and can be excused from the sentence due to their good nature while they were serving the sentence. While he was serving his time in prison, he studied law as he wanted to help other people like him. According to him, people who are forced to confess under the pressure of the police suffer a greater sentence, no matter the type of crime. He graduated while he was still in prison and applied for a license to practice law with the lawyers of the Council of Thailand, but his application was rejected. This guy, Serm, received the royal pardon five times, with each time reducing his sentence for a few years. Ultimately, the guy only served 13 years and 11 months in prison before he was allowed to leave. Serm got out in December of 2011, and no one was aware of it. He managed to get a job in Bangkok and has managed to keep himself away from the spotlight. No one has ever heard from him since then. This feels weird, you know? Maybe thriller and suspense films are based on real-life stories, and maybe because I love watching those, this feels super scripted and made up to me. But it did happen in reality. A perpetrator is roaming free without any issues. His lover and her family still suffer from what happened. And there are still unanswered questions. Did he intend to kill her from the beginning? Did she really cheat on him? In spite of so many different anecdotes, we will never know what was the real reason for committing this crime. This case was covered in a Thai horror film named Ban Phi Seng or The House, released in 2007. The movie is inspired by the true crime stories of Thailand, where three women were killed by their lovers, and Jen's story is one of them. The film is currently available on movie Worldwide, so do give it a shot. You can take a look at the photographs related to this case on our Instagram page at The Shades of Macabre. And if you want to listen and know more about the upcoming episodes, make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast from wherever you are listening. We'll be back next week with a different shade of macabre. Meanwhile, try not to get mordered.